Radio Drome. Alright, welcome to Radio Drome. I'm Josh, and with me tonight is, if you couldn't hear the bong hit over the open, 42nd Street Pete is joining me due to Brad's uh, food poisoning that he got from Mr. Egg Rolls. So how you doing, Pete? Uh, great to be here. So just to get the other stuff out of the way, you can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I want to thank Pete right away for sitting in tonight because he just got hit with four feet of snow last night, so I'm sure he's tired as hell. Yeah, exercise is one thing I don't really do well anymore, so this didn't help. Normally we talk about video and stuff like that, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as my regular fill-in host would be you used to run, not only run a video store, you ran a liquidators back in the day in the VHS era, am I correct? Yeah, right. What happened was um, I was doing flea markets, and you know as well as I do when video first came out, it was cost prohibitive. You know, I was one of those dummies who paid 60 bucks for Night of the Living Dead when I first got my VCR. I remember when so, my parents uh, bought the Star Wars trilogy, I think they were $45 a piece for the three tapes. So I was always doing flea markets, and I, you know, I, you know, being a movie junkie, I figured, you know, let me feed my habit by doing this, because now we got to that point, I would say, oh, mid-80s, where there was a backup of, like, excess stock on a lot of people, and a lot of people were going out of business because Blockbuster was coming in, you know, strong and things. So what I would do is, you know, I figured I wanted a $10 price point, so I had to buy the stuff, you know, eight, seven, five, you know, cheap as possible. So I would, you know, check out these stores that were going out of business and give them my phone number and say, when you get down to the end, call me, because nobody wanted the horror movies back then. There wasn't that big, you know, with demand for it. And that was like, everybody was in, you know, for the, the Rockies and the Rambos and the Godfathers and the this and that. That's the, the first thing that stuff. went. The mainstream stuff. You know, the mainstream stuff. Crap, you know? So... I come in, look at what's left, and say, "What do you want to clear everything out?" And usually, I you know I get it for anywhere from you know six to four dollars. I go home, I clean it up, I bought a shrink wrap machine, and then I you know I, I uh, you know sell at the flea markets. Well, then it, you know it was one of those things where I was the only guy doing it. I was basically selling them you know ten a piece, uh, three for twenty five, and then you know, like like we all know the big money maker is going to be the adult stuff. So I you know found connections to buy that wholesale brand new. So back in nobody the, could say I was catering to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Back in the big box era, when when all the porn tapes were in the the giant big boxes. Yeah, they were huge. You could fit you buy cases of fifty of them, and like two cases would fill the trunk of your car. But you know the the weird part was strange segue. A lot of the guys that were duping the porn tapes were doing the horror stuff too. Yeah, because um, wasn't the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guys the same ones that, that did Deep Throat, or maybe I've got that wrong? Yeah, that's no, the distribution company. Okay. I was just reading about them, the, the, the Piranos, uh, Perriant. Yeah, the, the mob, mob out of New York. Set up Branston Pictures as a tax dodge because they figured all this stuff would lose money, and they could, you know, you know, launder the Deep Throat and Devil and Miss Jones money through that. But what happened was you had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, Andy Warhol's Dracula, Andy Milligan's... Um, one of Milligan's films, I can't remember which one it was, uh, The Human Factor, and all these things turned to profit. So the IRS had, had, you know, they got the mob a little bit that way. No, what happened was um, VCA was actually duping for Magnum Films. You know, Mad Doctor of Blood Island, um, Brain of Blood, all that schlocky stuff. And then uh, somebody else was doing it for Paragon in the big boxes. See, I loved Paragon. I, you yeah. know, Paragon was one of my favorite old companies. But. Yeah. And then they had uh, they had these schlocky outfits like Air Video, but also Air Video was a, was a, you know they put out you know generic porn stuff too, 
and it's showing out a lot of um, okay, where was the vampire women stuff? You know, j- just you know stuff that we wouldn't think of back then because we didn't know what it really was. Right. It was all the, the Nashe stuff, um, some Franco stuff, all when they're weird like um, oh, Oasis of the Zombies. Remember that one? I yeah, I've never seen that in a good quality print. The print I've got, it's got a bunch of ghosting, and every single DVD I've seen of that is that same print. I've never seen a good quality copy of Oasis of the Zombies. Because there isn't any. That's the bottom line. But they they released it as blood sucking Nazi zombies, <laughs> with this in a small box with this big skull with fangs on the cover. And I'm like looking at this. Goes. I know I'm going to mark out for this, and I didn't. I got you know got screwed over. But that, that's another thing. So I picked up Grave of the Vampire in a big box. It was the uncut version out of Canada of all places. But that was that Spanish film, wasn't it? Or am I thinking? No, of a no. This is one? the one with uh, William Smith and Michael Pataki. I don't know which yeah, one, one I'm thinking. One of. where the vampire rapes this girl if he's an open grave, kills her boyfriend, and then he ends in the society, and she gives birth uh, to William Smith. It's really it's better than it sounds. Trust me. Uh, you know, it's one of those. It was one of those things where I had caught this on a TV. I used to pump gas, you know, back in in the seventies and stuff. And this wound up on TV on a rainy Sunday afternoon, and like I turned off the lights so I could watch this thing so the customers wouldn't interrupt me, because I it, it was that good and still holds up. Well, like Brad and I have talked about, like in the first episode, that this generation, you know, like my son who's seventeen, this is the first generation that doesn't just stumble across these movies. To go to find something like Grave of the Vampire, they have to be looking for Grave of the Vampire. They're not just going to catch it on, right. you know, WGN at three in the morning anymore. Like, like when I was growing up, and you know, you're older than I am, but you know, when you were in your adulthood, and it's it's kind of a shame, really, when you think about that. Same way with with today to seg into porn a little bit. When I grew up, I always liked the porn movies with a little bit of story. I know that maybe might might make me weird, but you know, like the Johnny Wad stuff where. He was actually trying to somewhat have a real story in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying because I, I, I had said this before that the big difference between then is now is all them people back then usually had some mocum of acting ability, like you know Arbola, who was really you know Bob Kerman in the Cannibal Holocaust film. You know uh, Vanessa Del Rio, she could actually act. So could Sika. So could a lot of them. Marilyn Chambers. You know, you look at right there. She she was a really good actress, and they, they could actually pull it off. Now it's like. Okay, here's a bed, flop on it, spread your legs, boop, 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 that's it. Well, it all went back to loops, because you look at these DVDs, it's all eight scenes anyway, you know? Well, you've also, you also had, admittingly, somewhat original ideas. Like, have you ever, I'm sure you've seen Cafe Flesh. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I uh, met Michelle back here at uh, one of the conventions, and she was really cool. We, you know, we were, we just lost touch, but she, she was a really cool lady. And, you know, she tried to downplay that a little bit, but, you know, she did a lot of, a lot of bondage shoots, a lot of bondage films and stuff like that. So uh, she, that, that was really a groundbreaking film because it, it was like a sci-fi porn thing with yeah. a really good plot, with a really good story, and it was credible. Well, the same with uh, another one I always liked was uh, Sex Crimes 2084. Uh, that one I hadn't seen, but there, there was stuff like Night Hunger, uh, Satisfiers of Alpha Blue, um, the Filthy Rich. Here's one that, that people always, for some reason, they drop the ball, and it's Dixie Ray, Hollywood star. This was basically like a film noir detective thing set back in the 40s with actual costumes and stuff, things, okay. you know? It was um, Lisa DeLue, I believe Juliet Anderson, who recently just passed away. I think it was Eric Edwards, and they had Cameron Mitchell in a cameo as a detective. And it was really, really well Cameron done. Yeah, Cameron Mitchell. did that thing. Yeah, Aldo Ray did one, too. 
See, I've never been a big Aldo Ray fan, but Cameron Mitchell, he he always is cool. Even if the movie's terrible, like, uh, have you ever seen Nightmare Never Ends? The one oh, I the- love that movie. That's great. I, I didn't like it. I, I thought the movie no? was all over the place, but Cameron Mitchell was just awesome as the detective. Yeah, and Mark Lawrence was in that, too. Well, to, to me, the weirdest thing was seeing Richard Mall with hair because I was I'm a big, yeah I'm really a, I, Charles Mall he was Charles oh is that I, I didn't even notice the name I just he's bull from Night Court to me and it's weird seeing yeah, him with see, long hair going back to the video thing that's another thing that was catacly- thrown out in video it was Cataclysm the Nightmare Never Ends it's a public domain film it was under like nineteen different titles on VHS and it was edited in, parts of it were in Night Train to Terror as well oh yeah yeah. But with uh, I think Philip Mora was involved in both versions. Did he direct Nightmare Never Ends, or was he maybe just a producer on that? I'm not sure. I haven't seen it quite a while. I, I've, I've got it on DVD. Yeah, I've got a public domain DVD of it. I mean, it's not an official right. one, but it's a... God, I can't even remember what other title's on it, but I think Boogeyman's the other title on it, the the 1980s one with the the, the mirror... The Exorcist knockoff, where the spirits in the broken mirror. Yeah, that that was that was that wasn't bad either. No, that was surprisingly good, and I haven't yeah. seen any of the sequels. I've heard they're not so good. But uh, the second one, if I remember right, had Death by Electric Toothbrush. Wow, that's yeah, that's really almost like a parody of Friday the Thirteenth kind of deaths. Because you, you can't watch any of that slash shit anymore. Because I, I think I had said before, you know, we've just killed everybody in any which way possible. So how you know more original can you get? Sometimes even if it's not original, my one of my favorites was when Jason stuck stuck the living the lighted flare in the guy's mouth, and his whole oh, yeah. his whole face starts glowing red. I love that. It might not be original, but it's still pretty cool. Or um, yeah, I like I like the scene in Final Destination too, where the barbed wire fence just like filleted that guy he's just standing there and all of a sudden he just falls into pieces or you know you've got uh, definitely not original but beautiful in a gory way uh, Tom Savini's death in Maniac oh yeah with yeah, a shotgun yeah. through the through the window into the face I mean you'd never seen anything like that in what is that 80 81 that Maniac was yeah something like yeah right around there I had a fever of 102 when I went to see that because it was the last night it was playing I had the flu for like two weeks and I was like oh, okay this is it's gonna be I'm like this I gotta see that when you were doing all the the horror stuff and whatnot and you were selling all the horror titles and the porn titles what actually sold more the horror or the porn to, at least from your experience porn was the only thing that kept the place open basically because of my price, I mean, you know, three for twenty-five. I had stuff for five dollars. I didn't have anything over fifteen dollars in, in the in the booth. The the best thing was the the horror, the cult, the exploitation. You know, not what that, what's now all encompassing the grindhouse term, which I put it out there. Right. That stuff was consistently selling. I mean, I I worked a deal with a couple of local video stores when their mainstream rentals were up and they were going to sell them. I trade them adult, so then I could sell them for ten bucks. But then you've got the places like Blockbuster that won't carry adult. That's what saved me, too, because I was in between two of them. Here, where I live, I don't know if this is family videos everywhere, but we've only got a family video here, and they carry hardcore porn on DVD. Gosh, great. And you would think a place called Family Video would be the place that wouldn't carry the hardcore porn. Boy, I'll tell you a funny story about Blockbuster. One time, they just decided to blow out all the, all this subversive stuff for like ridiculously cheap money, and I nailed... I think I went for a 50-mile radius and just nailed every store and wiped them out. Whatever they had obscure, I, I just had, had about $3,000 on me and just went, went in just complete circle and just ended it right where I, in my area. And I, I agree with some really great stuff. What, what people wanted, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, look at VHS prices, especially if it's something that's not available on DVD. Just look at eBay. Look, look at yeah, the uh, absurd prices for, like, a copy of Lunch Meat or Terror on Tape or something like that. 
Just look at the absurd, insane prices for that. Well, I'll tell you a funny story about that. A friend of mine collected porn, I mean, to the point where he was a hoarder. And his house was literally falling down around him, and he had all this stuff. And I said, why don't you just give me the stuff? I'll put it up on eBay, and we'll split it. So I'm figuring, hey, I'll get three, four bucks a tape. Angela, the fireworks woman, 78 bucks I got for it. I mean, we split between the VHS and, and magazines. God, we must have made about 2000 apiece. They were eating them up. I don't know about now because the economy is so shot. But back then, I mean, these guys, I, I'm looking at these things going up. I'm like, this stuff can't be worth that much. Am I missing something? Then I'm like, should I keep it? No, where am I going to put it? So I sold it. You know? Well, I think a, a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of those old titles are not commercially available, such as, and I, I, you can correct me or if the fans want to correct me, if I turn out to be wrong, I have not been able to find, like, Backside to the Future. I haven't been able to find that on DVD. I haven't been able to find a lot of the stuff, like Sex Crimes 2084 is not available on DVD. I don't think Droid is available on DVD. And so those VHSs are worth so much because that's the only way you're going to see these classic films. And I use the word classic in quotes, but you know what I mean. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that Backside to the Future, that was Zane. They I, know again, I don't know. You know what it is? A lot, like New Tech, I think they're out of business because I, I had um, A is for Asia. I bought, like, a friend of mine went belly up. He needed money real quick, and, like, we, he got, I gave him some ridiculously low price. But I got, like, 37 bucks for that stupid DVD one one week, and I took, like, three second chance offers, and I got, you know, 20 and 18. I'm like, all right, let me throw it back up again. Nobody even looked at it. So well, go figure. I'm going to play a commercial here, and you okay. tell me if you remember this era of video. Okay, this is an old Vidmark video commercial. Cursing your video store for not having enough horror titles? Well, grab onto your seats and prepare for Vidmark Entertainment to take you on the dark side with these upcoming chilling titles to fill that horror void. Obviously, you know, you didn't see it, but all the titles were fourteen ninety five a piece, and I think the kids of today don't realize that even that was still kind of expensive for a full frame, no extras VHS of a movie back in. I think this was like ninety four that that commercial yeah. aired. They don't seem to realize this stuff was truly expensive back then. Yeah, you know? I remember Vidmark. They had some good titles. Vidmark was yeah. They had a lot of I wouldn't call it high end, but it was definitely not low end titles. I yeah, Demon Warp. I, uh, the one that got me, and I, I, as far as I'm aware, is not available commercially in America on DVD, is Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon. It's the one where it turns out uh, Satan is living on the moon, and he's responsible for... And it's a science fiction movie, too. It's not an Earth-bound movie. It all takes place on a spaceship, and Satan is living on the moon, and there's uh, he's like linked up with the Bermuda Triangle to teleport souls up or something like that. It's totally insane and pretty awesome at the same time. And as far as I'm aware, it's not commercially available on DVD in the U.S. Yeah, neither is Three, three on a Meat Hook. I could list off titles for the next hour. But there's so many... You, One of the great things about old VHSs is, especially if it's a company like Vidmark or Paragon or companies like that, is they always tended to put tons of trailers for other movies on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. The and Paragon, yeah, yeah. The Paragon, Dr. Butcher, remember that? The whole... The whole Dr. Butcher trailer was just the whole compendium of every gore scene from the whole movie. Well, and then well, then you had whole... I don't even think this would fly today on DVD, but something like Terror on Tape. The entire thing, not counting the maybe 10 minutes of wraparound stuff with a very drunk Cameron Mitchell, is, <laughs> is just clips and trailers of Continental titles 
that they wanted you to buy. It was basically a sampler video. Here's all the cool scenes from, you know, Alien Contamination. Now go pick up Alien Contamination. I don't think a DVD like that would make it today. That was just basically a, a sampler with a couple of original wraparounds with a drunk uh, B-movie star. He's, yeah, you know what? You know, everybody inebriated. jumped on the trailer bandwagon, too, with this DVD things. I mean, you know, you had the stuff from Synapse. They're up to, like, I think five volumes now. The, um, the um, 42nd Street Forever? Yeah. Well, and then you got the Mad Ron's previews from Hell. Oh, man, yeah, that, that room really ticked me off because they didn't do anything on that at all. I, I, I met Mad Ron. He used to come to the conventions down in South Jersey, and he said that the Grindhouse was going to put it out, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This thing is nothing but nothing. looks like a linear transfer off VHS. But, I mean, he, he at least did include some extras. There's some behind-the-scenes stuff and I think some bloopers on yeah. the DVD, so at least they did throw on something. It wasn't just a straight transfer with no extras. Oh, don't get me started on that with some of this stuff. Hey, I just picked up the Corman Attack of the Crab Monsters, that triple pack. Oh, the one with... Um, yeah. N- not, not a this not Earth, War of the Satellites. Yep. And I'm like, okay, here's three for you. I'm the guy who found the beta tape of Attack of the Crab Monsters when nobody had this thing. And I, I bought it for like 50 bucks off a guy. Chiller Theater was selling videos. That was the name of the company back then. Chiller Theater, you know, okay. selling videos through film facts and things. I was friendly with him back then. So I made him a copy off of, you know, on a high-grade, you know, Maxell gold tape and sold it to him. Basically, I sold, I sold like four copies enough to pay for the 50 I laid out. Well, that damn thing was in every collector's hands within a month of it coming out. As soon as they ran the ad, somebody bought it, and they just it just footballed all over the country. Now, my point is that the copy of the Crab Monsters on this trip, this triple feature set, is horrible. It, it has, has a, a logo in it. it; looks like it came from Great Britain. I, I heard stuff, about and the I got logo. a bootleg I bought off somebody years ago, and it's head and shoulders above this thing. So I'm like, what the hell? Um, not not so much with movies, but with TV shows. Do you remember the War of the Worlds TV series from '88? Yeah, vaguely. I have copies taped off of TV in 1988 that are clearer than the DVD that they put out. I don't know how the the tapes, they claim it came from the original Studio Masters, how those can be worse quality than my 23-year-old copy that I recorded off of a UHF station. I don't understand that kind of a quality issue. I don't know either, but there was also, there was also an issue, uh, I, you know, talked to Nick Phillips, who had done, you know, Criminally Insane and Satan's Black Wedding, and I'd done commentary on a couple of his things with him. He'll tell you, and a lot of the old-timers will tell you, that no one ever envisioned this at all. They didn't even envision television when they were doing this stuff. Oh, yeah. Because his father was um, S.S. Millard, one of the first roadshow guys back in the 30s. So none of these guys who put out any of this stuff envisioned it, and probably a lot of these networks never figured that... um, Oh, who's ever going to want to see these shows again? Well, then Nickelodeon came into being, and I picked up a ton of TV show box sets at, at an auction, and I'm like, I don't even know why I did this, because nobody's going to buy them. They're all gone. Uh, on VHS I, don't, or I think a lot of these people you know, don't understand the nostalgia market that everything's created, you know? Well, and then you've got the problem where the versions that are coming out today are altered. 21 Jump Street, all the rock music has been removed. And then it's been replaced with just static, yeah. static music because they can't afford any of the rock bands. Well, you know what? I'll stick with my copies that I recorded off of TV back then because, as far as I'm concerned, that's the real version of the episode, not the one Anchor Bay has put out on DVD. 
Yeah, I, I have the same problem with what the WWE did with the W when they put us two DVDs because I'm sitting there and I'm a big, big wrestling fan, you know, as far as yeah. you know, the crazy shit stuff goes. And I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, why ain't I into this? Then it dawned on me the music because when the gangsters used to come out, they used to play that whatever it was that god awful song. Okay, but it was, you know, it was in the back of your mind all the time. And I'm like, yeah, they just almost killed somebody, and I'm not into it. Why? Because the music isn't there. Well, speaking of that, uh, for the fans out there, Pete puts out a bunch of uh, old uh, porn. I mean, old loops, old softcore. Do you do hardcore too, or is it just the softcore? Oh stuff? yeah, so I, my my better, you know, not that any of it's bad because I I you know I've heard the usual stupid comments about the quality, but what are you going to do? You can't you know shine, you know what? Yeah. But um, yeah, I started out with um, I was doing commentary for um, after hours cinema on a couple things and Nick, that's actually it was the Nick Phillips stuff that I'd spoken about we were talking and I said you know I really like to do an 8mm collection it made sense because a lot of people do stuff out and they don't, they don't you know there's no backstory. there's no history there's no nothing to it so oh well, I was you know Mike Razzo was you know the head honcho up there and he goes well a lot of people say they want to do stuff you want to put the money up and I says yeah match it so we did and we put out, you know, a first eight millimeter collection. Then I said, well, let's do another one. Let's not take any money out of this. Let's do one with recognizable stars. So we got Linda Lovelace, Vanessa Del Rayo, Holmes, Candy Samples, Mark, you know, a whole bunch of them. Then we, you know, we just kept segue. And then we started putting out um, the actual 16 millimeters, you know, films and storefront features that, uh, you know, ran back on 42nd Street back in the day. I put out like um, my second. Um, Quadruple feature collection, A Night at the uh, Harem, just came out. It's a uh, nonstop sleazy grindhouse picture show, too. And Extreme Sleaze 3, which is another compilation of, you know, hardcore B&D loops, came out. But, yeah, we run the goal with everything. And um, I know you asked me a question about this uh, before. But from what I understand, there was music issues, the same way like we were just talking about. But that because these were porn and never exactly copyrighted that they would just like use the Jaws theme or the Star Wars theme or the Star Trek theme in these things without getting permission and then you've got to try and work your way around that to release them yeah well what happened was you gotta understand that back in the day all these guys were hit and run artists they never you never never saw beyond what they got you know when they did the thing because basically um the way I understood it is you could actually buy these prints if you owned a theater back in the day I think it was like uh 400 bucks for a feature or if you bought ten, it dropped to like three fifty. But you own the film. That way, you could you know printingly rerun it. But you know, none of, like I said back you know back again. None of these guys ever envisioned video or DVD. So what happened is they were using a lot of music from spaghetti westerns, a lot of music from Psycho, Jaws, Halloween, all kinds of pi- pictures. So now where we, we the problem is we can copyright the film. You know, as long as nobody else has. But we can't copyright the music, and of course, um, I don't think Universal or Warner Brothers or any of these companies is going to give us permission to use, you know, whatever music we need that was already in Forced Entry or Story of Prunella or Taming of Rebecca or um, what I just put out, uh, Flesh of the Lotus. I'm in the process of putting out, and of course, the the, the stupid kung fu fight between John Holmes and, and Bob Chin has Ecstasy of the Gold from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly on it. So I'm like. I was saying, you think we can get away with that? And he's like, what are you, out of your mind? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just, like, hoping. But, you know, we got to take it out. And, like, fans get upset about that, you know, and especially on a certain message board where, they, you know, they really give us grief. And it's like, there's no way we can do it. You're never going to see the film. Even, I'm sure, even Video X picks. You know, even though, you know, he, he's, you know, he's top-heavy with money and legal stuff, 
I'm sure some of his stuff, you know, he had to take the music out of. They would take it off a, you know, off a record, uh, you know, or an eight-track tape or a cassette. They didn't care. So, what do you do with it? Do you try and record something that's similar and put it in, or just a whole, just a totally different track? I think they, you know, they they take care of it up at the studio because I I, I just you know always bitch about things. Um, they try to get something as close as possible. I mean, I, a couple things were, you know, some spaghetti western stuff did slip through, but I don't think anybody owns it. And I've seen this stuff on a bunch of public, do- or I've heard it rather, on a bunch of public domain DVDs. So, uh, but just for example, that Fighting Fist of Shanghai Joe, the music's the same as uh, the Gunslinger with um, what was supposed to be. What's that guy's name? Um, Sartana, Sartana. Okay, that's the guy. Yeah, it's the identical soundtracks, two different movies. So I'm sure they lifted that, but well, you hear that all the time. I know you're not a big video game fan, but the the trailer for Mass Effect Two has this brilliant orchestral score to it, and I've heard that in so many different commercials and in the Band of Brothers TV commercial and in trailers. And it's like, really, to me, that is the Mass Effect music. I don't want to hear that in something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the Alien soundtrack, you, you know that that iconic James Horner score from Aliens. Yeah. I don't know how many movie trailers I've heard that in, and it's really in, the original trailer for RoboCop has the theme from Terminator in the background because Basil Polidorus hadn't done his score yet, and it's just so weird to hear Terminator's music coming out of the RoboCop trailer. But yeah, so, there's a, there's a guy I wish they would put out a, a greatest hits. I love his stuff. His, his stuff yeah. is so powerful. You know, I did the, the opening theme for Conan. I, I remember yep. I taped that off of a laser disc on a cassette. I used to put it in my truck and crank it up and go like peeling out. Dum dum dum. Great stuff. My, my mom actually bought the soundtrack, so I actually grew up listening to the cassette, the the official cassette for Conan. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I remember one day uh, back when I worked at a TV station, uh, we were doing like election results, so it was really bored. So I was just listening to TV themes off of YouTube, and a friend of mine walks by. Just gives me a weird look. Walks by again later. Is that Conan? Yeah. Before, were you listening to RoboCop? It's like, yeah. I found all the Basil scores on YouTube, and I was just listening to him to pass the time. And, you know, other people were recognizing him, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's a, it, he's, he's pretty, uh, you know, his stuff is very, how would you say? It's powerful. It's unique. Very power- you know, it's unique. also powerful. It yeah. always has, like, an oomph behind it. John Carpenter, same way. You, you immediately can recognize a John Carpenter score. As soon as you hear that synth, and the you know he has a certain style, you go, "This sounds like a Carpenter score." Yeah, so he's got. An, is he doing another movie or something? I heard he's got a new one coming out, but I don't know. Unlost in the Static, we, we did one that where he was one of those directors that had lost their crap. I'm sorry. After Ghosts of Mars, I don't know what the hell happened to the guy. Ghosts of Mars even was pretty bad, and it just seems like he stopped trying after that. Oh, you know what it is? They're all Sherlock by these studios now because they can't do what they used to do. I mean, look at Romero. He's up shooting basically 8 millimeter home movies about zombies now, you know? Uh, See, I'm still torn on Romero. Survival of the Dead I thought was horrible. It was pure crap from start to finish. Everybody said that, I think. I didn't see it yet. I'm not going to pay $24 to find out a used copy of it either. So. It's it's really off. It, it, it seems like... Uh, remember how Return of the Living Dead 2 went for the slapstick angle? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sucked. That's what survival does. It's full of slapstick gags. Like, at one point, a zombie is set on fire, and the guy they're on a boat. The guy goes over and lights his cigarette off the zombie before pushing him into the water. And you just go, oh, God, that's terrible. Survival, I thought, was terrible. And I know I, I, li- I get lynched when I say I liked Diary. Did you see Diary of the Dead? Yeah. I actually liked that, and I seem to be one of the few people on the planet that it was. It wasn't that bad, but, you know, it, it, it's just like, 
he's basically he, he has a message to everything like you know who you know like the when um, I guess when they shot the chick that they tied from the hair you know when the head's still swinging or whatever about how you know basically innate how cruel we are and stuff like that right. yeah okay but you know I know you're capable of doing better stuff I mean look at Night Riders I mean people crap all over that but that was a great film everyone craps on Land of the Dead I loved Land I thought Land was a great movie and I don't understand why so many people crap on that one I don't either. It was it wasn't bad. I mean, he had to use A-list people, but he did it okay. The message was there. It was really well done, I thought, even with the CGI. See, he's another one of those people that fell into the trap of CGI is faster and easier, so I'm just going to do CGI. That's one of the problems with survival. The CGI is really obvious. You can tell exactly when it's a makeup effect and when that guy's head blowing up was all done in, you know, 3 months later. And I don't like that, personally, when you can just see that right away. But we'll have to see. Maybe his next film will be good, and, you know, I can just say he just had a fluke. Cause what's, the, what's his next film? I'm not sure, but I'm sure he's going to be making another one. I really hope Survival's not the one that caps off his career. No, he don't, you know something? I hate to say it. He don't look too good lately, either. I mean, I met him a couple of years ago, and he, he didn't look too good then. No, he looked really skinny, and he's always got those giant glass, those Elton John's glasses he, he wears. Yeah. And you can just kind of see he's not long for this, but I hope he gets one more good movie out of him before everything goes to crap. Yeah, that's the shame. There's a lot, a lot of like I, I crapped all over Wes Craven. Like I, I don't know if you heard the uh, the January eighth show where I basically buried everybody in the world that I couldn't stand. But you know, <laughs> you're, you're was, really it, was that the one where you were uh, where you burned all your stuff in your carpenter, yard? Even Toby Hooper was capable of some decent stuff now and then. Who who else is out there? Everybody drools all over Quentin Tarantino. I'm sick of it. You know, see, T- Tarantino had two great films, and I'm going to say neither of them are really Tarantino films because one was a blatant ripoff. Uh, Reservoir Dogs ripping off City on Fire oh, yeah. and Jackie Brown which I absolutely love but was based on a novel so it's not really a Tarantino film and those were his only two good films in my opinion and yeah they- it's funny when you watch Grindhouse and this, this is an honest thing that happened I don't know if anybody, anybody listens to your show listens to mine but I said this I went to see Grindhouse and it was playing in two theaters and one of those crappy multiplexes. The first theater I walked in, there was nobody in it. So I'm like, no, I want to see reactions. So I went to the next theater, which might have had 16 people in it. Uh, after Planet Terror ended and those trailers began, when the lights went back on to go to Tarantino film, there was like people besides me in the place. So nobody gave a shit about Quentin's film. That was the whole thing. And when you look at the two films, Rodriguez is the better filmmaker. Oh, you know? ab- absolutely. There, there's, no, there's no debate in that that Rodriguez yeah. is the better filmmaker. T- Tarantino it has this thing where it seems like his stuff is, it's 90 minutes of him being in love with himself. He's so in love with his own dialogue. He's so in love with his own footage. I mean, even on the DVD, he put back the missing reel, you know, that was intentionally left missing in the theater because he was so in love with his own footage. He's, I saw an interview with him where he said something like he, he, he felt the footage was, was too good to leave out. So he's just so in love with himself that I just don't... You're not that great of a filmmaker to be that in love with yourself, in my opinion. Do you believe that whole missing reel thing that he came up with? Which uh, which one? Yeah, any of them, because I don't believe... There's no such thing as a missing reel. I'd always heard about that. I, I, you know, like I, this is what ticked me off about that whole thing, is I've been going to movies since I was like 12 years old, and I'm 58 now. And I've seen missing footage. Now you got to figure, and I, I even brought this up with Wasteland, because... A 90-minute feature on a 16-millimeter is two reels. 
All right. Some of these places projected in 16, these little crappy places. Right. They lost the real. You lost half the movie. Let's go. Let's go a step further. 35 millimeter. Even Todd will tell you this. Um, I think low end. Oh, I'm trying to think. There's 20 minutes on a 35 millimeter reel. I think. I have no idea. Let's just that. go with that. I mean, let's say there's 20 minutes, and let's say there's all right. So it would have to be 90 minutes. Okay. You lost one of them. You're losing 20 minutes of footage. That nobody would buy that. That never happened, as far as I know. Well, see, I, I used to work at a movie theater, and keep in mind, this is just like within the last decade. And I saw people because we always got you know uh, the reels. We would put them onto a big platter, and we'd have to splice you know each right. like f- five reels together. And I did see people splice reels in out of order in movies where it would go one, three, two, four, five, and we never once got a complaint. Which oh, is I, weird. out of the order, de- I believe. I saw that happen at the, at the demons. They had they two reels interspersed, and nobody picked up on it. Yeah, so I mean, I can see them out of order. I just I don't know how. You can't see it missing. It, it, it's it's too far fetched. Yeah, because I mean, you got to think that they're going to get complaints. People are going to go. Uh, half the movies here, not here. I want my ticket back, or I want my money back. And I can't see a sleazy place even going. Just get out, you know. Well, I'm not. Giving <laughs> you your money. They would in New York. <laughs> well, New York's different. Uh, I'm lost in the static. I interviewed James Glickenhouse not too long ago. The New York that he always portrayed. And the one that you are familiar with just doesn't exist anymore. And, right. you know, people that, I mean, even my age, I'm 35. I, that, that New York was already on its way out by the time I would have been old enough to actually have gone to some of these, like, grindhouse theaters. They were already on their way out. So I did kind of miss out on that as well. Whereas I, I had the drive-ins. We still had the drive-ins playing the crappy movies in the 80s, whereas you had the grindhouses as well as probably the drive-ins, huh? Yeah, we had the best of both worlds because all you had to do was hop. You know, I, I, I was in Jersey, so you hopped the river to New York. You had the grindhouse, but you also had a lot of grindhouses in Jersey too. Plus, you had the drive-ins in North Jersey, so I, I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, I want to. But the, actually, the first thing to go, unfortunately, was the drive-ins around here because the property values went up. Well, see, the, the, we've still got a drive-in up here in uh, Door County in Wisconsin. The problem is they don't show drive-in movies. Yeah, they're a drive-in theater, but you'll go there to see The Matrix and Despicable Me. And you know the, the the latest Tyler Perry movie, and that they don't show drive-in movies; they just show movies at the drive-in, and it's just it's not the same. When you go to see Evil Dead at the drive-in, that's one thing. When you go to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's not exactly the same kind of feeling, you know. And at, at the same time, you know, like when the grindhouses were going out, I think the video video was what killed killed. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Because of our age difference, you were raised on the grindhouses. I was raised raised on late night UHF TV. Where I got all my movies was, you know, three in the morning on some channel that you can barely tune in. That's how I well, saw yeah, well, all see, mine. That, that happened too because, okay, we used to get, you know, the whole deal like, you know, I don't know what was out the Midwest where you got two, we got 13 channels, only a few worked. You had two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen. The crappier channels were nine and eleven. That's where you got like you know the uh, the good stuff, the universal stuff, the monogram stuff, the PRC stuff. Now you get further into like okay the the sixties, mid sixties. Now all of a sudden they're kicking in the AIP stuff well, and, the and, and the hammer stuff. But and then the hammer most stuff of the stuff. Oh, excuse me. I said when the hammer stuff too. That seemed to have hit right around then when all yeah. the hammer stuff came over here. But what happened was, see, most of these these things went off the air one o'clock in the morning. It was like you'd have um, whatever programming was up. Then maybe like I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. They had Jackie Gleason or some kind of thing going on. Um, I was too young. But then right after that, you had the eleven o'clock news. Then you had the late show. 
and then it went off the air at 1 o'clock. Well, then all of a sudden, they started extending this stuff, and they needed filler. So they were showing some pretty offbeat stuff even back then. So I was right there with you, staying up to like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, smacking myself in the face with a wet wash rag and drinking black coffee to see this stuff. Well, I remember having to beg my dad if, because, you know, they, 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 even back in the day when they would show commercials for, you know, Thursday night, Return of the Living Dead, 2 a.m., you know, and that was a big deal for that channel. I'd have yeah. to beg my dad if that turned out to be like a school night. Dad, can I stay up till 4? I, I, you know, I promise I'll be good, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll take a nap earlier in the day. I want to watch Return of the Living Dead at 2 a.m. tonight, please. And, you know, you'd have to do, do the dishes that night or something like that to be able to stay up and watch these cool movies. And it doesn't even matter that they were edited. Mm-hmm. It was still cool to just be seeing Return of the Living Dead on at 2 in the morning on some local station, you know, with a car dealership advertising during the commercial breaks. Oh, I, I got a good story for you. I don't think I've ever told this story on the air. They ran Night of the Living Dead at 1 o'clock in the morning on, I believe it was Channel 7 around here. I don't know if it was 1 o'clock or 11.30. I'm not sure. But it was like, you know, okay. What happened was they ran it again the next week, only this time with this a disclaimer on the TV scenes that this is, this is a dramatization, this is not really happening. What happened was if you had an old black and white TV and that thing popped up, you really didn't know what you were looking at. Well, they did the same thing in 94. Uh, Have you ever seen this Fox TV movie called Without Warning? It's not the one with the Hunter alien from the 80s. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, where it was all a fake newscast about asteroids hitting the Earth. Or maybe it was CBS. It was one of the major networks. They were getting calls from all over the country about, you know, from the local news station, why aren't you covering this? Because people thought it was a real newscast. Same with uh, Countdown to uh, Looking Glass and Special Bulletin in the 80s. People thought those were real newscasts. Yeah, well, same with this. Like I said, you know, there was still enough black and white TVs laying around back then that people, you know, people just tune this in and they're like, oh, the bodies of the dead are, are, are rising and eating the living. Like, what the hell? Yeah, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, it's almost like a War of the Worlds situation. You know, we, yeah. need, we need to secure our our borders from the living dead. You know, that, that's the whole thing because you know, the weird part was I don't know exactly. I'm trying to think the time frame that came on because I was in college. And I'm going to say it might have been damn 73 74 maybe okay so so the movie was still relatively new then too huh yeah but you know what it is a lot of people hadn't seen it that was the whole thing because you know that that was like don't forget when that first came out the critics ripped it apart oh yeah i remember ebert had a whole ebert had a whole uh, article just condemning why night of the living dead is the worst film ever made and uh and then and then he loved dawn of the dead which was ironic yeah, you know, well, thought, who was the one? Who was the one? Was it? It was also the one who came really hard down on Friday the Thirteenth, real hard too. Uh, he came down really hard on uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, where yeah. they, they actually had that show where they read the names of everyone in the uh, producer, all the behind the scenes people, and did a shame, shame, shame after each name that you should be ashamed to have been part of this movie because they and, and see so you know what it is those people they're such douchebags that they don't understand you're giving the movie more publicity than it deserves hey, oh absolutely like uh, back in the 90s dogma i don't think dogma would have been as big of a hit for kevin smith if the catholic church hadn't come out so heavy against it so, they did the same thing with the life of brian and uh last temptation of christ in yeah. the what was that was that late 80s or early 90s yeah, the whole deal with the video stores wouldn't carry her. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, and, and you know those that whole controversy where people were uh, protesting blocks, blockbusters because you know you dare stock the Last Temptation of Christ, and it's just it's insane. Going back to the video thing, 
you've got Blockbuster being a big part of the problem. Do you remember, I want to say late 90s, right when DVD started to come in, where Blockbuster would do what they called Blockbuster edits? To yeah, hardcore, yeah, 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 you know, to yeah. hardcore violent movies, where they would edit an R-rated movie down to a PG-13, and that was the only version they would rent out. I know that's why I I, I remember uh, remember Rick Sullivan from the Gore Gazette. Yes, yeah, with the the long hair, and he always seemed perpetually stoned. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I, I think he told the story where he 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 rented a tape and then copied over it and put some I don't know some kind of hardcore crap in it and returned it or something. <laughs> that's awesome because I even ran into that uh, and now. You can't laugh at me for looking at the movie. I was just looking through the cheap stuff. But the Josie and the Pussycats movie from a couple of years ago, the one with Tara Reid, on the back of the box, it's you know it's, it's like PG-13 or whatever, and then in little print, special Walmart edit, all nudity and swearing removed. And I just oh, went, are bummer. you kidding me? Yeah. Josie and the Pussycats needed to be edited down to a G? For the Walmart sale? Are you insane? Well, you know, you know where the first time I saw this thing surface was on Mask, the share movie. Oh, okay. I was, I was I thought you were talking about the that was character. originally rated R. Yeah. Now it's PG. Well, are you sure that that was edits rather than not a re-rate? Because uh, I've seen a couple of movies that were originally rated R and they just got re-rated with no footage being changed. No, 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 no. I watched it. I'm like, why? Where's all the cursing? I, okay. I was like, I had. I'm like, okay. No, a matter of fact, they ran it on cable PG. I'm pretty and sure that's I've what seen tipped that. Me off, I'm thinking, why? And then I'm like, what the? Then I go, oh, let me check. The- oh, I still had my store. Guys were bringing in used copies because I used to buy used stuff. And like somebody brought, I'm like, let me see this. I go, PG, it's R. It was an R-rated movie. I put it in the curse. And I'm like, okay, I want this one. Yeah, and, well, and I'm sure that's a really valuable tape if you can still find the R version. I'm sure that's a good eBay seller right yeah. now. Well, like I was just telling Brad last week, you know how... Uh, Zombie was released over here as uh, Zombie 2, but then almost all VHSs are called Zombie, you know, the the, yeah. Ful- the Fulci one. I've got a VHS called Zombie 2, The Dead Are Among Us, and it's actually Zombie. And I'm just wondering how rare that the, how this tape was, because it's even from a company I've never heard of, EDDE Entertainment. No, the format, I mean, is it, P- is it a PAL type? No. No, it's NTSC. Because I saw that. Is that a box like the arm coming out of the ground? No, it's 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 got the the zombie cover, the you know the the rotting cover from the normal zombie stuff, yeah. and then it's got two like out of focus photos in the background of other zombies, and it's even got an explicit warning: warning, viewer discretion advised. This film contains violence and nudity. I just found this for like two bucks at a Goodwill one day, and I thought I'm gonna grab that. Is it a big box? Nope. Normal VH. Uh, let's see, the copyright on it is ninety two, nineteen ninety two ED Entertainment. Oh, Edie! Oh, yeah, okay. Now I know who it is. It's that's bogus. Oh, it, never, it's basically there's a, a big there's a story circulating. I don't know whether this this is real or Memorex because remember Media Blasters and Blue Underground put out Zombie at the same time. Uh, I didn't remember that they did it at the same time, but I know b- both of them did it. Yeah. No, Media Blasters you can't sell theirs anymore. So basically, it was going for a hundred bucks on Amazon, which is retarded. Okay. But the whole Edie thing, I think at one point Zombie was public domain. How come what's not? Because as far as I know, the only public domain film that ever became unpublic domain was uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life because somebody found the music loophole. Yeah. I think that's the only non-public domain film. Edie Edie wasn't paying nobody royalties because that was part of the deal when I was working in New York. We had all that. that. There was a ton of stuff coming in. It was like really shaky. Quality and and like whether a a lot of the Emmanuel stuff was on Edie, a lot of... um, 
I know Zombie was on it. I know we had that. I'm trying to think something. It was some other stuff we had. Well, I, I've actually seen one. I, I thought it was real. I don't remember what movie it was. Um, I think it was like a science fiction, an Italian science fiction film from the 70s. Professional looking box, had a copyright on it and everything. I popped it in, and there's a TV channel logo in the corner. Yeah. It was literally, they recorded the movie off of a TV channel and then made everything else look professional, and they were bootlegging this this movie that they recorded off of you know WGN or like their local Fox affiliate or something and I, I could not believe it I'm like are you serious and there's then- a DVD company called Black Exploitation or something I picked up Tick 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 because I hadn't seen it for a while. All it's right. off TV. They make good stuff. The logo. There's yeah. a whole. There's a whole bunch of these guys. I don't know where they're out of. But, you know. I don't know. Maybe it didn't make it out to you yet. But it's called black exploitation. The, the quality is horrible. I had Bernie Casey Hitman. I basically watched it and I'm like, oh my god, I can't see the damn thing. And I sold it up at Wasteland for five dollars or something. I don't know. But well, see, um, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the public domain stuff. I love. I mean, I I've got a, at least a probably 70 to 100 discs of those you know those thin dvd case 50 cent ones yeah. you find at walgreens and and goodwill and stuff i've got so many of those i love those and i assume if they're a 50 cent dvd like that it's probably because the film's public domain at least i hope you know yeah a lot of that stuff is you know the, the other thing that was that diamond company um they were they were supposedly putting out pd stuff but their seven doors of death was the beyond uncut well, uh, there's one that I've got mo- almost all my stuff. I'd say three quarters of my cheapo stuff is from a company called East West DVD, and it's all all always double features. Uh, are you, spaghetti familiar? westerns, ain't they? No, no. It, the company is called East West. It's lots oh, of. Oh, I know. Films, yeah, yeah. You know. Okay, we were selling that when I. Uh, why the last video story worked at? Yeah, it's a lot of black and white stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff I've got is color. It's a lot of Italian stuff. Like uh, that Nightmare Never Ends Boogeyman set is that. It's got like uh, um, Blue Manhattan with De Niro and with uh, Brother from Another Planet on the yeah. same disc. It's got Creepers and City of the Living Dead. Something of the Living Dead. I can't remember. But it's a company called East West. They don't have a website. I can't find any information on them other than the fact that these DVDs are out there. It's like this company is one of those fly by nights. You know, and they've got a cool black exploitation one. It's got uh, the firehouse with um, uh, Robert Mitchum. Well, yeah, but I can't remember. Was it Fred Williamson or Richard Roundtree was in that? Richard Roundtree, I think. Okay. But it's got that and the Get Christy Love pilot. Yeah, remember well, when, uh, some of these guys? I, I've seen some strange stuff out in some different labels. I'm wondering whether he's paying royalties or anything. Yeah. You know, you know, you know how they're getting away with the creepers and stuff like that because they're probably it's probably like the cut version. It was on media. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, the creepers is the American version, so it's the one that's missing like almost yeah, twenty eight minutes of footage. Phenomenon was the regular title of that. Yeah, and personally, I think the film works better as creepers because. All that added footage just really bogged the plot down because, let's face it, while Argento's a great director, he's not a great writer. Yeah. And so it just was bogging the plot down like you wouldn't believe. But uh, I love those public domain ones. And, you know, I've got that show, It Came From Me on Midnight. Most of my stuff comes from those types of DVDs. You know, that's where most of my, the prints I used were sourced from. You know, if it's public domain... Well, then I can use it too, can't I? Yeah, why not? I, I mean, I was trying to score... Um, I mean, it wouldn't have been public domain if I got it. I, somebody had Creature from Black Lake on eBay for on 35 widescreen. Wow. And I bid on it. I got the whole deal for 70 bucks. And, okay, I paid the guy, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. Then I sent him an email, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I'll send it out. I'll put something extra in it. Well, 
getting to that point where you can't make the claim. I had to make the claim. I never got the damn thing. I wanted to put that out. Did you get your money back at least? Oh, yeah, but I, I really want it. 70 bucks. I would have put that out in a heartbeat. Clean, I would have, you know, brought up to the company, cleaned it up, you know, did a little intro because it had, uh, you know, Jack Galem and Dub Taylor in it. So that's, you know, that's a, a you know, point. Two good character actors. Well, what would be your holy grail? Like, if all of a sudden some film that you really want to put out for whatever reason falls into the public domain, what would that be for you? I actually have a porn one and an exploitation one. What's your What's your exploitation one first? Flesh Pot on Forty Second Street. What about your porn one? Deep Sleep. No one has seen Deep Sleep since... It, see, the, the, the whole Deep Sleep thing, they got a cease and desist from a judge. Now, the weird part was I was going to school in Patterson, and this was actually playing in a mall. Believe it or <laughs> not, a mall. They had a little porn theater in a mall. Nice. So, one of my professors was in this film for some reason. Not, not you know, not... No, no, not having sense, in it. but right. So, he went to see it. And the damn thing was pretty funny. Well, it was actually filmed by the guy who did... Um, Communion with Brooke Shields, Alfred Soul. The the one that was re-released as uh, Alice Sweet Alice? Alice Sweet Alice, yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I'm familiar with it under Alice Sweet Alice. Yeah. So he he actually directed that. And all they got some kind of... Because some, something said they, they shot part of it in front of a judge's house or something. It hasn't popped up at all. And that's like, I'm looking for that just for sentimental value because it was a funny movie. Just a really funny movie. And, of course, Flesh Upon a 42nd Street... My big thing with that is, you know, you know, there's people love Milligan, people hate Milligan. I'm on the fence, but that film, I can remember hearing those same conversations from hanging out in bars and just being over there in general. So I think I could do justice with that film. But it's just a question of finding a print of it too. The only guy I know who has the print is something weird video, and it's missing the credits. We've only got like a minute left. I remember uh, I saw an interview with Johnny Legend, the guy that did all those trailers and stuff. He once said the hardest thing about finding his old prints is. By the time you find the print, you can't find who owns it anymore. Or, you know, that person sold it to two other people who then sold it to two other people. So even if you've got the print, you can't legally release it because nobody knows who owns the damn movie at that point. Have you ever run into that? Um, No. Basically, we do a copyright search on everything. And it either comes up clean or it comes up that somebody has it. Okay. Because I, I had I had a chance to buy a library of stuff, and I basically what I did was I got the guy to email me the list, and I I ran it up to uh, after hours, and I said I got access to this. Which one should we grab? And we just you know ran down the line, and you know this one somebody owns this one, somebody owns that one. So I you know I cherry picked some better stuff. A couple of them I didn't get. One was Sika on white satin. That would have been a good one, but you know somebody else got it. So. All right, well, we need to go. I want to thank you for being here, Pete. People can contact us at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Maybe Brad will be next back next week. We'll see if his uh, food poisoning has killed him yet. Yeah, so, stay away from them damn egg rolls. They're killers. Wow. Mr. Egg Roll, and I believe yeah. it's Springfield, Illinois. Yes, and will not be a sponsor on this show or my show, I would think. <laughs> exactly. All right, thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. Okay, my pleasure. Take care.
I lie, I with the hopes of be buried alive. 